0: Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program for Catholic men by Catholic men. My name is Matt Palmer. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shod, Fathers of St. Joseph. And we do this in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio, 820 a.m. here in the Diocese of Columbus. Devin, good morning. How are you, brother? Good morning. Good Thanks for having me on, Matt. Oh, I just, I love that we get these opportunities, you and I, to to just have some time with on-fire Catholic men. Before we introduce our Mm -hmm. guest today, Kevin Gibbs, Devin, would you open us in prayer, please?
1: Yeah. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father, we praise you, and we love you because of who you are, because you are eternal, self-giving love, and you express this fully in your Son, Jesus Christ who has given himself completely for us, that we may be forever one with you. God, enter right now into all of our hearts, into the deep recesses where we don't feel love, because where we don't feel love is where we don't love others. So heal our woundedness, allow us to expose those wounds to you, and allow us to grow strong in your grace. So pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us right now as we enter more fully into your loving embrace. We ask this in Jesus' name, and as always, Mama Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Kevin Gibbs, good morning, brother.
2: How are you? Good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. I'm honored and truly humbled at the same time. So thank you. It's a pleasure to speak with you and your brothers and really grateful to be here. Well, for
0: our listeners, uh, Kevin is an on-fire Catholic brother in Christ up in Ottawa, Canada. You might be hearing a little bit of that accent coming through. And um, I've gotten to know Kevin through "That Man Is You" and um, his work uh, there in his diocese up in Ottawa to just bring men into a closer relationship with Christ. Um, a great devotion to Saint Joseph and to Our Lady. But Kevin, um, let's let's just back up a little bit. You know, we always start by just giving our guests a chance to kind of set the table. Um, you know, we like to do two things. We want to hear kind of your story, how you uh, grew and came closer to Christ, you know, the kind of the crises that we often find ourselves in that lead us closer to our Lord. And then a little bit, uh, a few minutes from now, we'll talk more about um, your ministry today and how you see the culture and, and the need for Catholic men to step up. So but tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and uh, kind of your journey in, in coming to a deeper relationship with our Lord.
2: Sure. I grew up in, I was born and grew up in Montreal, uh, actually on the South shore uh, neighborhood of <laughs> Montreal. And um, actually, the, the, I had a pretty rough, rocky start. I was born significantly premature when I was uh, in the early sixties. And, um, you know, they didn't have the same high tech they have today. And, and basically uh the doctor called my parents. Uh, my mom was discharged from the hospital. I was still in uh, prenatal uh, care. Uh, doctors called my parents, said, you better come to the hospital. We don't think he's going to make it through the night. So basically, uh, my parents got our, their parish priest to come, and they um, they baptized me and gave me last rites in the same ceremony. And uh, my mom says, you know, until that point, I was I was dying. And, uh you know, by the grace of God, I'm here today. So humble beginnings um, come from a, you know, middle class, lower middle class family. Grew up in the 60s, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Those are uh, very interesting times in our society. A lot of revolution and, and cultural revolution. And, um, you know, most parents of those times were children from you know the the greatest generation those that served in the second world war they had to make a lot of sacrifices and um you know for our for our family um my parents worked really hard you know to give us the best um i have uh, two brothers and a sister um you know and i had a the golden years of childhood that's absolutely amazing you know uh Summer here up in uh, the Montreal area, Montreal, Ottawa area is absolutely amazing, beautiful, hot, sunny summer days. Uh, winter is the opposite, you know, cold <laughs> winter nights and, uh, and springtime is the joy of spring and, you know, fall is seeing the beautiful colors in the fall. So growing up was, you know, the golden years of childhood of, you know, I was like a free range kid, you know, they let me out in the beginning of the day and they knew i'd come back for lunchtime and come back for supper you know just like the the chickens would come back at the roost you know so um really amazing experiences growing up but also faced with difficulties um you know i was a hard-headed kid really stubborn just i think it must be the You know, the genetic pool (laughs) had the, you know, the the toughest of uh, all genes from my Irish, Scottish, and French-Canadian ancestry probably didn't get along (laughs) inside. I was a really stubborn kid. Um, My poor parents, I put them through hell. I didn't want to do something. I didn't do it. Like, uh, I was just really, really hard-headed. And that led to some uh, interesting situations. But Yeah. um, In fact...
0: Fast forward for our, our listeners, kind of those teen years, those college years they were they were pretty uh, you were distance, you were distancing yourself from our Lord and his church, weren't you
2: yeah, yeah, something inside me broke when I was a kid um, you know I, I just I, I, you know I've come to understand about childhood trauma and the effects of it and, and, and it's it's very profound you know when you're a young kid growing up your brain's not fully developed your social skills are not fully developed your emotional skills as well and you know i think i carried uh i think i carried my childhood trauma into my early adult years and i was you know testing life's boundaries uh i i uh when when you feel disconnected you know and and i was living in a state of dissociation for a lot of my time during back then and you know testing life's boundaries I started drinking really early and heavy Um, it it was a way for me to escape escape the pain Uh, you know being disconnected from ourselves from from God and our families you know it 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 leads to a life of uh, looking for connection looking for meaning you know and and I lived that uh, disconnectiveness all through my teens and, and early twenties, and and sought, you know, my kicks from the outside, you know, looking for, um, looking for meeting and looking for, uh, connected connection, you know.
0: You know what you told me 20s. that um, I know that you're a civil engineer, and you mentioned mm-hmm. that in our conversation that, you know, at the height of your college years, you're kind of amazed we even got through college because that was the height of your addictions. And yes. just talk briefly about that before we start yeah. to really see how the Lord began to, to pull you back to himself.
2: It's absolutely amazing. You know, I, I uh, like I said, uh, you know, I, I, I sought through, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, you know, destructive behaviors. Um, I sought oblivion. I thought I, I looked for disconnection, uh, you know, to run away, to escape the yeah. inner pain, the inner ache. But I knew also that I was in trouble. Like I, I needed help. And, and I, I stumbled across, um, this Benedictine, uh, monastery on the top of Montreal and, I, I say stumble, I think the Lord led me there. And it was where I learned to pray and meditate and, and silent prayer. And I think that was a game changer for me. One of the many game changers mm-hmm. in my life, because if it wasn't for the practice of silent prayer, uh, using the mantra Maranatha uh, and, 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 you know, having a bit of structure to my day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, Of sitting in silent prayer, I would have never, ever got through the challenges and the demands of, you know, uh, civil engineering and McGill University. It was,
0: yeah. I want to, I want, I want to bring Devin in because he writes and and helps us all as men think about the brokenness you've been describing, but kind of before we get to um, how God began to draw you back to himself. But, you know, Devin, when you hear Kevin's story, um, I, You know, we've we've heard we all know how many of us have had similar stories, but reflect a little bit on Kevin's childhood and what he's sharing and, and just how easy it is for young men to find themselves in that difficult place where Kevin found himself.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Many of us have been there at a severe level. I mean, I, I, Kevin, I don't know your your background story. You mentioned trauma. Um, you know, a childhood trauma of some sort that you kind of wanted to bury. And I think that that's common for a lot of us is that whatever these childhood traumas are, they tend to bring about an insecurity in us. And so we're wounded. And then as, you know, great Catholic psychiatrists or psychologists will tell us that wound, we develop belief systems out of that wound, especially about our identity. So I'm not good enough. Uh, I can't be loved if I'm this way. Therefore, I'll develop a coping mechanism. I'll act this way in order for people to love me and like me. But then it becomes a vicious cycle because no matter what we do, we, don't, we can't fill that hole with that love, that human love, we, because it's a God love that we need. And, but God wants to take us back to that woundedness. And I think that that's beautiful, Kevin. What you found in this monastery is actually the silence. And that's the only way I think he can actually revisit the wound because that's where Jesus is. Jesus is in the wounds and that's why he allowed himself to be wounded so that he can relate to us in our wounds. And so we meet him in the woundedness and that's what you found in this Benedictine monastery in this 20 minute silence. I love what you say. You know, I could have never got through civil engineering. I would, I would contend you probably couldn't get through life, (laughs) you know, because the truth is, is that. Uh, in those 20 minutes of silence in the morning and in the evening, God is doing heart surgery on you and you've got to be still. So that's, that's, I think, basically, if you've sinned, as, as Dr. Bob Schutz would say, if you have sinned or someone has sinned against you, you're wounded. And if you're wounded, you need healing. And it, it's, then we have to go to the divine physician because he's the only one that can heal us. And it begins in the silence.
0: Exactly. Kevin, isn't that isn't that beautiful to see how God began to
2: work in your heart and how you responded back to Him? Praise God. Amen. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Um, and, and those wounds are, and those coping mechanisms are, are they're they like it's duct tape and bail wire holding you together. You know, it's like like yeah. those feelings of, uh, you know, you know. Inadequacy, um, feelings of uh, you know deep shame and guilt. Along with that, and then this pendulum oscillating um, lifestyle of you know I need help, I need help, uh, I need I need you know I need help, and 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 then like oh my god what's happening to me? Where am I going? And I want to run away and 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 you know and and hide again and, 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 you know, then, then the cycle kicks up again. I don't feel good about myself. You know, I got to drink, I got to do crazy things. I got to numb the pain, you know, and then the cycle, you know, what have I said? What have I done? The shame, the guilt, the fear kicks in and it's, it's a vicious cycle.
0: It is. And of course, the evil one is intent upon uh, continuing to speak into our ear, into our heart and to, he's the great accuser. He's the great liar. Yeah. I know that as we move forward here um, with your life, you know, I know that you continue to struggle. You began that journey, but you shared with, with, uh, with me that, you know, you're divorced. Um, you have two grown children. And so the journey Continues to be for all of us a journey of of pain, some suffering, and yet we always see the Lord, um, you know, kind of in it. Take take us kind of through those years in your thirties and forties, and you know, um, yeah. What just maybe summarize for us, uh, you know, where you found yourself, and and obviously you you lost your marriage, and um, I want to move to where you are today, but I want to make yeah. sure our listeners, because we can all relate to this. These, these years continued uh, with some suffering and, and uh, talk a little bit about that before we begin to move into kind of how God continues to heal and now uses you to help heal others.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, it was after the third uh, couple of therapists that I realized our relationship was broken, you know, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't, no matter how much I wanted to try and tried and, I couldn't fix it, and and it was then I realized, um, you know, that I have to start addressing some of my issues, and you know, I had I had to clean up my life. Uh, you know, I stopped drinking, I got sober, um, I started cleaning up my life, and I started doing things. The Lord led me to, you know, doing volunteer work. I would have never guessed I would be involved with, you know. Lord led me to prison volunteer work. I started, you know, carrying the message of recovery of the 12 step program into jails, into prisons. I also got involved with a community reintegration program for offenders to reintegrate into a community called Open Door in Montreal. And I was volunteering twice a week, once for a 12 step program, once for Open Door in the Montreal region. I did that for five, six years. And yeah. help guys, yeah. you know, reintegrate. And it's in our woundedness, like you mentioned, that you know we can help others. And and helping others, we are also healed. So I did uh, five ten, five seven years, five six years in the Montreal region, then another six years, seven years in the Kingston region, working and volunteering in prisons. Same thing, working for. 12-step program, and also carrying a message. I had a pretty powerful spiritual experience, which I also carried into the, the prisons, of the experience of the divine mercy uh, revelation, which was profound. And I also worked with youth at risk in a couple of years in the Kingston region. And I started um, working in the prisons, volunteering in the prisons here in Ottawa until COVID hit. And now I'm working with the homeless. Uh, I do street outreach with the homeless. And, and uh, it's pretty Kevin, amazing
0: uh, what the Lord will do for you. Pretty amazing. Kevin, I wonder if, if you could offer some perspective on uh, how we as men, you know, we experience uh, our Lord's healing in so many different ways. But, you know, here's some really beautiful and tender and merciful ways that as, you know, as Kevin is receiving God's mercy, he's becoming an instrument of God's mercy. Can you help us you know put that into context and think about how how we can allow God to work through us as part of our
1: own healing? Yeah, I think from uh, my, two, go ahead. two two words uh, wounded healers, <laughs> you know so uh, the best healers are those who've been wounded deeply if they've recovered and or are, are allowing the Lord to heal them, and I think what's really evident in your story, Kevin, is there's, there's two parts of the equation and they're hinged by Jesus Christ is, first of all, there is this emptying. So we, we try to, when we're wounded, we try to fill ourselves up with those things that we think that are going to get us what we want. So if we don't feel like we fit in, we try to develop coping mechanisms to earn human respect. If we, if we don't believe we're loved, we try to do things to get disordered love. And yet we're still kind of We're still, we're full of bad stuff, but yet we feel empty. And so there's this process with you, Kevin, as with all of us, where you realize I've got to empty myself of the evil. And so you stop drinking. You you work on getting rid of the addiction. You're even like, okay, I, I love what you said. I couldn't heal my marriage. So I had to start working on myself. That's exactly the position we all have to be in. No matter what, we always have to begin with us first because we cannot fix anything else. We have to Lord let, allow the Lord to fix us. But what's beautiful is in that process, there's an emptying of evil or an emptying of those things, those attachments that we filled ourselves up with. But then you can't leave it empty because we know when the demons are cast out, if they come back and it's still empty, they're going to fill it seven times over. So what do you do? You fill it with good. And how do you do that? With commission, acts of commission, where you're reaching out, youths at risk, recovery outreach, recovery in prisons, you know, helping the homeless. And so this is the process for all of us is it's the emptying of all those disordered attachments that we think that are going to heal us and they never do. And then afterwards or during that, it's the filling with the good call of God. And then that's where the healing takes place. And that's how we become wounded healers.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Kevin, I want to move us, um, you know, I think you're helping all of us. Sort of get in touch with our own brokenness and um, and with the the pathway to healing. Um, and I want to I want to move to Saint Joseph for a little bit. I know you have a devotion to him and many of the men that are part of That Man Is You. I know you're very active at the local and and national levels of That Man Is You. Let's let's talk a little bit, all three of us, about Saint Joseph and how how can we sort of um, enter into a relationship with him that can be part of our healing and part of our, how we find um, a model, a man to emulate. Would you talk a little bit about St. Joseph,
2: what he means to you? Absolutely. Um, you know, St. Joseph, um, we have an amazing oratory in Montreal. It's the biggest um, devotion to St. Joseph in the world, the St. Joseph's oratory. And, you know, when I was uh, wounded as a kid and, and was really struggling, like, you know, I, we had a, I was in grade five, <laughs> ten years old. We had a class school trip to St. Joseph's Oratory. And, you know, my first trip to St. Joseph's Oratory, I went down and I stole some empty bottles from my mom's kitchen and I filled it up with my dad's booze and I taped it to my chest and I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go have fun at St. Joseph's Oratory. My very first trip to Saint Joseph's Oratory, I got completely wasted, <laughs> you know. And 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 I never really knew how much Saint Joseph's or Saint Joseph would play a role in my life until I actually started by consecrating my life to Mary. And when I consecrated my life to Mary uh, through the um thirty-three days to mourn glory, which I did in Ottawa when I first came to Ottawa, it just Opened a whole door. It it was a one again another game changer in my life. Consecrating to Mary gave me um the love and the acceptance. I was always looking for. And then I discovered Saint Joseph. And Saint Joseph is an incredible man. Um, you know, he's hidden in the gospel, but I think he's one of the most powerful, other than our Lord and Mary, he's the most powerful presence in the gospel. He's the backbone of the family. When, you know, he had to get up in the middle of the night because, you know, an angel told him, you're, Family's in danger. We woke them all up and said, we got to go. And they would walk all night long, you know. Um, he had a humble job working as a carpenter. Humble equivalent of a blue-collar job today. He's, you know, everything, what I think a man should be today humble, wise, incredibly strong, incredibly connected to our Lord, to God, attentive to all the nudges and directions that God wants to give us. And I think that's exactly what I, I needed in my life. Yeah. Mary that led me to Joseph to understand Joseph. It was Mary who said, this is the model for you. Listeners, um,
0: such a powerful reflection, and um, we've got about a minute and a half left. Devin, you know, I know how much uh, St. Joseph means to you and how much you've written about him to help all of us. Uh, maybe, you know, as we come to the end of this recording, this program, would you think a little bit about what Kevin shared and about how his devotion to Mary has led to his devotion to Joseph and how Joseph really helps, has helped Kevin to be the man that God is calling him to be.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really good. And I don't think there's really much to add to what you said, Kevin. Um, You know, I, I do think that, you know, as that, you know, donkey that Joseph led that carried Mary and Jesus down to Egypt, you know, I think we see an allegory for our lives that, St. Joseph really is an expert at leading asses. <laughs> He's an expert <laughs> at leading asses like us. And and uh, I think that's what Mary, you know, she's like, she's like, I, I, I think this is the beauty of the church. So the beauty of the church, the church is mother church, uh, virgin bride, uh, spouse of the bridegroom. And so we see the pinnacle of that uh, representation in Mary, right? But Mary says to us men, she says, Hey, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're understanding this aspect of it. I'm so thankful you're, you're with me in the let it be done in the fiat. But now what I want you to do is I want you to learn how to be a real man. And so I'm going to turn you over, in a sense, to my spouse, St. Joseph. Wow. And, and you're, going to learn, you're going to learn these attributes of what it means not only to be the spousal bride, but to be the bridegroom, to be the image of God the Father to your family, etc., and, I, I, it's both and it's a both hand
0: it's a both hand we're going to have to bring it right there to an end Kevin I'm so grateful to you for sharing your story and um, how God continues to work in your life to heal you Kevin as always thank you for co-hosting with me this has been Iron Sharpens Iron uh, for Catholic Men by Catholic Men a ministry of St. Um, Gabriel Radio um, Fathers of St. Joseph and Catholic Men's Ministry. Stay tuned and enjoy our next program. Kevin, God bless. And all of you who've listened today, thanks. Have a blessed day in Christ. Take care.